You are listening to the Elevation Indie Podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you can know exactly when the podcast becomes available. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and we hope that it brings blessings into your life. This Sunday, we're continuing in the book of Nehemiah, and we'll be in chapter 4. And and just with, with this thought, blackboard vision. Say it with me. One, two, three. Blackboard vision. And, and I've been praying and, and just, just asking the Lord that just as, as this right here, I mean, they cleaned this board off and they worked hard on it because this is different than a dry erase board. Dry erase board, you get those little markers, you know, they don't last very long. You got to make sure the lid's on them all the time and all that. And I got a little whiteboard in my office and my granddaughter's coming in here and they'll put, I love you, GT, and they'll leave the lid off the marker and I come back in and it's dried out. But they love me, you know what I'm saying? Like, like okay. We'll get a new marker. But, but it comes off easy. You just take that eraser and just choo, 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 choo. But on a blackboard, I mean, I can still see the residue of what was on there because it sticks on a blackboard. You hear what I'm saying? Like it didn't come off as easy. And, and that's what I'm praying is that vision will stick on you just like that chalk on a blackboard and that, 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 that whatever you're doing, whatever you're thinking, wherever you're going, that vision of the house is a part of who you are and it's not removed easily. Anybody want that say yes? I, I, I think about, you know, one of the, the visions that we have outside of here is that, that we want to see the body of Christ come together. We're, we're just matching what, that, that's not even our vision. We stole it out of the Bible. Just, just read John 17, Jesus' prayer. It's not so we all go into a city and do our own thing and stay separated and be silos, pastors and churches planted all over and they never connect. And then I got a text this morning, and by, by the way, this happens regularly. Either I send one or somebody sends one. There's about 10 of us pastors on, on a group just in this little area of Greenwood and the south side and just saying, hey, praying for you. You know, mine sometimes is a praying that God's presence will be thick in your meeting today praying that you will be anointed at a level you've never been as you deliver God's word today, right? And, and, and I'm just saying, we'll have that exchange. You know, the pastors say, praying for you, praying for your churches. And I'm telling you, that's, that's something that's so good. Now, I know the enemy doesn't like that, but I want to tell you, it's powerful for the kingdom when we're coming together, and it's not about our silo. It's not, it's not you know, uh, uh, the king and his castle, but it's the king and the kingdom, too many times in American church, pastors, have, they're too worried about their castle and not about the kingdom. And what we want to see is kingdom. How many, how many understand that? Right? And so, and so exciting stuff. And, and in Nehemiah 3, I won't read there. You can this week. It's, it's incredible what God's doing. Uh, but I, I felt like we'd, we'd, we'd move over to 4, and I'll talk about 3 for a moment. 3 is a flash forward. It's, it's, a, it's a, an overview of what God is doing and how he's doing it. And, and it's, it's people coming together as Nehemiah gave the vision in chapter 2. By the way, if you weren't here and you missed it, you can go back. Um, all of the messages that are for this year, 2023, have been leading up and building up to this point about Nehemiah. And Nehemiah cast vision for rebuilding the wall in, um, in chapter 2. He's been burdened, and his burden becomes a vision, and the vision is uh, accompanied by provision. How many know where God guides, he provides? Where there's vision, he gives provision, and so it's all, all the need is met, and, and they're able to rebuild, and they start kind of at the uh, northeast 
of, of the walls, and they begin to move around and, and build, and, and there's, there's, there's the, the sheep gate and the fish gate and the old city gate and the valley gate and the dung gate and the fountain gate and the water gate. Uh, not the water gate like we have, but a water gate and the horse gate and the east gate, not an east gate like we had either, and the inspection gate. And they rebuild them all the way around, just kind of moving clockwise all the way around the city. And here we are, uh, a part of the journey of that. We see it here uh, leading up to that, that flash forward in, in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall. Now, in this reference, uh, Sanballat represents an enemy. And you can see what he does. He, when he heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant, and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive, will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? By, by the way, um, yes, and burnt stones, right, are redeemable. Some of you know some burnt stones right now. People that in, 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 the, in the machination of the church, in the, in, the, in the machinery and the movement of the church, they kind of got caught in a place and now they're bitter or they're hurt or they're wounded or they're, they're, they're just done or whatever, but God's not done with them. And you need to be praying for them, those people in your life that they're, they're not connected, they're disconnected from the body of Christ, and they need to be connected. You need to be praying for them that, that though they've been burned, that God would redeem them. Verse, or, yeah, verse 3, now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Another ha-ha. Ridicule, mockery. Verse 4, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. In verse 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. I love what Paul says in reference to us as believers in this spot in 1 Corinthians 3 and 13. He said, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 9 and 10. Paul also says, therefore, we make it our aim, our goal, whether it be present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, before the Bema, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul's saying like these, right, we, we've got work to do. Now, when you look at the work that needs to be done in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, well, Nehemiah has the vision, but, but he certainly can't do it on his own. I mean, when you understand, it's about two and a half miles around. Walls are 39 feet high. They're eight feet thick. You catching what I'm saying? 34 watchtowers 
position around the wall. Seven main gates and, 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 and three minor gates that, that are present. And, and there's no way he can do it alone, nor could one person do it alone, but it would take everyone. And in chapter 2, when they say, let us rise up and build, we see it in chapter 3, where every person is looking out in front of him, where he lives, where his house is, the, the, the place of the wall and the gates where they're at, that this is the place that they're going to work on. They're going to work on their part. And I think it's important that we, that we grasp this, that they're going to do that because that's the place, like where their home is and the wall's right there, that's the place they're going to be looking at over the next few years, over the next decades. And guess what? They're going to take care of that space. They're going to do a good job on it. It's not going to be shoddy work. It's going to be done with excellence because they're going to be looking right at it. How many know if somebody put a wall up near where you're at, you wouldn't want, you know, Little Rascal's Clubhouse? I was watching a little bit of that with the granddaughters last night, and, 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 and Sophia, she said, GT, they got a car door on, their, on part of their clubhouse. I'm like, yeah. It's not the way you want to build a place. By the way, that's not the way they would build the walls. It had been done with excellence. It had been done, it'd been done with, with skill. They would, have given, they would have been giving their time to make sure that it was, because that's the part that's right near them. They're going to see it. And it was the idea that everyone is working. In fact, when you look at all the groups of people and where they're working, everybody's got a hand in this. They're all working on their part. And as believers, when it comes to ministry and church, Elevation Church, it means this, that all of us have to work on our part. Everyone working, everyone works on our part. There's a part for you to serve. There's a place for you uh, to give yourself to. In fact, uh, you know, the idea that one of the visions that we have for Elevation Church is that, that we're a place where people understand their giftedness and what God has placed in their life, and they step in and serve. Because everybody, everybody is a consumer. How many know that? I'm going to tell you, when you're hungry, you're going to eat. You're going to figure some way out to do it. Like, you go look at that refrigerator, and the same thing you saw 10 minutes ago, and you're going to figure out how to make it work. Right? We all consume. Every believer in America consumes. But God's not looking for us just to be consumers. He wants us also to be contributors. Right? That there's a part that we understand. By the way, when I talk about these people looking at this for decades, when I think about Elevation Church, I want there to be something here that's a legacy beyond us that are seated here this morning. That, that our children and our grandchildren, our grandchildren's grandchildren, as long as the Lord tarries, will be able to experience and know that there is fruitful, effective ministry that's happening because somebody stepped up to the plate and said, we're going to do our part. We're going to work where we can work. And too many times in the American church, well, that's just not happening. I talk about the American church because that's a church I know. We, we have a, I, I say this, we, we have a, anybody ever rented before? Maybe a home or a car? You know, when you rent a car, you're, you're, not, you're not pulling a gas station checking the oil on the rented car. Now, on yours, you might. Like if the indicator light comes on on the rental car, you're thinking, well, I'm going to turn it in in six hours, so I'm going to turn it in tomorrow, so I'm not really worried about that. I'm just going to drive it back. They'll see it. I may tell them, but I'm not so concerned about the con but your own car that, you're, that you paid for or you're paying for. Well, there's a concern when something's wrong. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, my, that's happening. I better take care of this. Your, your own home, like if you're renting a home, like in the water heater's 
you know, making all kinds of noise like it's getting ready to take off. You may call the, 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 the landlord and say, hey, this is doing this. You may do it quickly or you may wait a few weeks because you're just renting. If you own the thing, you're like, oh, my, what's my water heating? I better, I better figure, out, figure out what's going on here before it becomes a bigger problem. Anybody catch what I'm saying? Right? It, it can work just like that. And I would say this, the body of Christ in America has too many renters. It's filled with renters. But what we need is more owners in ministry. Somebody help me preach. Right? I'm just going to say this, that, that, that the number one person that shows up to a church in America, we call them attenders. That's bad grammar. They're attendees. They show up to consume and get something. And by the way, if you were here last week, if not, go listen to the message. You have a better understanding of this. Sometimes we, we need pastoral ministry. Sometimes we need prophetic ministry to bring correction. How many know that? Like, I don't want to end up way over here when I was, when I was supposed to be over there. Anybody ever driven in Chicago? They got these little booths that you stop by. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you, like you've been six miles and you stop there and they say, give us your money. Then you drive another two miles, and you pull over again, they say, give us more money. Now, if you were heading, I don't know, Elk Grove Village, uh, Chicago, you're headed there, and then you ask somebody in one of the booths, am I going the right direction to get to Elk Grove? And they say, yeah, whatever, you're good. And then you find out that you're somewhere like, like way down south, and you're in, you're in Champaign, and you're like, What happened? They didn't give you the correction, the information that you needed to make a right decision on the direction that you were supposed to be going in. Let me tell you something. It's far more important when it comes to eternity. And the one day, as Apostle Paul mentions, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we have the opportunity to cast crowns at the one who gave his life for us, that we made the right decisions to go in the right direction and that we allowed correction to come in our life. And I would just would say this, that, that in America, too many times it's people just showing up without any commitment to go deeper for themselves and to provide what the ministry. And this is biblical. Let's look at John 10. Um, it says this in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Who's the good shepherd? Jesus, right? Somebody shout Jesus. Right? The good shepherd, he gives his life for the sheep. Now let me stop because we, we, we make this pastoral and rightly so, but there also is this element that how many, how many know that we're to look like Jesus, right? It's, it's easy. It's, it's okay to answer. Who are we to look like? Right, that, that's who we emulate, who, who our life should be. The, he's the pattern in which our life should be. And so for every one of us, we fit right here. Verse 12, but a hireling, or some of your Bibles say a hired hand, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. Everybody say doesn't own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees. He runs because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. It's easy to be the renter who doesn't really care about the commitment, the overarching commitment to see God work in a community of believers. Sometimes we could, we could say, we could use the word owners, we could use the word stakeholders. It's people that showed her up and say, there's a portion of the wall that God can use me to help rebuild, and I'm going to be faithful to do that because there's, there's protection that's needed, right? There's provision that needs to be secured, and there's a future. There's a posterity that needs to be in a place where they can experience 
what we've got to experience. There's many that have prophesied and proclaimed that the, the American church is, is dying and, and in a death mode, and I just refuse to receive that. Anybody with me? And so I want to give us for us this morning right here, Blackboard Vision Ownership Commitment. There's a lot to write down. We'll leave it up there longer so you can get it. It just took a lot of words to say what I need to say. The Blackboard Vision owner, that it'll stick to you, right, that there's a commitment of ownership. By the way, I think we all understand that what I'm doing right here is just a portion of ministry that occurs at elevation. I can't do all the things that happen, nor should I, nor would I be good at them. There's people that, 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 that supersede any ability I have in a lot of areas to do the ministry here. Aren't you glad for that? Can you pre- we call it the dream team. Can you appreciate our dream team that do all the ministry here? Yeah. So the commitment is this, two words, pray and share. Pray and share. Pretty simple. Pray and share. And I'll, I'll give you, I'm borrowing from Tommy Barnett's multiplication book. You can read it if you want. It's been out since probably 1990, I'd say. I don't know, something like that. It's been out for decades now. But leading up to Easter, Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday. Everybody say Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, leading up to that, I'm going to give you a strategy. We've, we've said earlier this year, pray every day. How many, that's, that's your target, that's what you're wanting to do, that's what you're aiming to do, say yes, pray every day. I'm going to give you some insight on a little bit of how to pray leading up to March uh, 31st, which is Resurrection Sunday. That's less than two months away, and I'm believing for God to save a whole lot of people on that day. How about you? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so here's what I'm saying, that, that you pray, praying every day, but you fast. I'm, I'm looking for a group of people. Maybe everybody doesn't feel like you're called to do this, and that's okay. I'm looking for a group of people who will say, you know what, I'm going to fast one day a week, whatever that looks like, right? It, it, it may be I'm going to give up breakfast, or, you know, if you already don't eat breakfast, then that's not a fast, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to fast lunch, or I'm not going to eat an evening meal, or I'm not going to eat anything that day. I'm just going to drink water. Whatever it looks like for you, fasting one day. And I'm with you in doing this, okay? I'm not going to ask you to do me something that I'm not doing. Fast one day a week and pray. Here's the prayer. And pray for God to send a mighty revival to his church and that elevation, here's the prayer, and that elevation would be a part of that. Hear what I'm saying? That we're praying God send a mighty revival to your church globally in America and send it to Elevation Church too because we're hungry for a move of his spirit. How many know that? I'm thankful. What, What we experience here doesn't happen in every church every Sunday. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling, I, 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 on my sabbatical for three months, I was in and out all kinds of churches, and I'm gonna tell you, what happens here is a rarity in the body of Christ. We should never take this for granted. But I want to also tell you that we haven't, this isn't the goal, what we have. There's so much more beyond where we're at. Anybody with me say yes. And so we're praying God send revival to your church. We're fasting a day a week. And then we're also, here's a commitment that we're going to bring. And maybe it's a burned stone. Maybe it's somebody that's just bitter. There's a whole movement of deconstructionism right now in America, and most of that, nobody says it, but I'll say it, most of it's rooted in woundedness and bitterness. That's where it came from. 
You say, Pastor, they're, they're researching and they got these, you know, these, these ideas about how things line up. And all. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But every person I've ever seen do that kind of stuff, it started at a place where they're upset and mean. They got hurt. They got offended. And they're carrying that offense. And now they're trying to figure out how to justify that offense. And I'm just saying this. There's some people like that that you need to just make a decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them with me one Sunday. Right? Bring an unsaved. It's this commitment to say, I'm going I'm to ask the Lord to help me to bring an unsaved person, a person that's unchurched every Sunday leading up to Easter. You don't have to wait till we get to Easter to do it. How many know God's the God on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, and he's the God before and after that? How many know that? He's not changing just for, just for one Sunday. Right? And, and, and then, and I'll talk about this later, and then, Give of your resource, not, not just your resource, but, but share your testimony. I mean, your testimony is yours, and you're the only one that's got it. Nobody else can tell it like you can tell it. I can't tell your testimony like you can tell. And it, you know what? And, and uh, we got some stuff planned this year to help people with that, but, but I would just say this, that when it comes to your testimony, in fact, there's a group about sharing your testimony. Is it Wednesday nights? Something like that? Yeah, okay. And, and so you can go on the, the group registry and, and see those. But, but just to understand this, that, that um, it didn't be complicated. It's like this is who I was. You know, maybe it's addiction and God set me free and this is who I am now. Maybe it's some stuff you were involved in. That maybe you were just an ugly person. Maybe you were just mean and nobody liked you and you didn't like anybody and Jesus came in your life. And, and you can tell people that. I've heard testimonies, guys tell me, I hated, one guy told me, he said, he said, I bought the gun and had it loaded, I was going to kill my whole family. And the Lord, I was in a drunken stupor, in the, laid out on the floor, passed out on the floor of my sister's house, and God called my name, Phil Morris. He said, I thought, I thought it was somebody in the house calling my name, and I, I, a second time I, I got up and I looked around and there was nobody there. And so the Lord said, come unto me, I'll give you rest. He said, and I surrendered. My, I was, he said, I was sober in my right mind. I gave my life to the Lord right then. I'm just saying, if somebody needs to hear that testimony, somebody needs to hear your testimony. You say, well, I grew up in church, and I don't know. Tell somebody that God protected you from all the stuff, and he can do the same for them. Your time, sharing your time. We talk about serving and the vision of people serving. It's giving up some of your time. And maybe it's not even here. Maybe it's volunteering in a, in a, in a ministry somewhere around the city. Your talent. you got something that you can do better than 10,000 other people. You may have never have thought about that, but you do. There's something you can do that you excel in. And what about if you said, God, how can that be used in your kingdom? I'm willing to surrender. Your treasure what God has blessed you with. I thought about last year. We, the Lord had, had been dealing with us about doing a youth camp and, and, uh, and for, for several years for, for the middle school and high school students. And, and uh, last year, it wasn't in the budget, but we pulled the trigger and God met the need. And, and, and down, and by the way, it's not easy to do a youth camp. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of planning, a lot of people, a lot of things to think through. And I'm a big picture guy. There it is. Let's go. It takes a lot of people around me to say, okay, we got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, yep, we do. I'm expecting those details to be right, but I know we got to go. And Lord provided all that we needed to make the youth camp. We'll do, we're doing it again this year. Start some fr uh, Sunday night, Father's Day night. Yeah, it's going to be good. Get your kids there, your, your middle school, high schoolers. And, and, but, but I would say this, that where vision was, God just provided because that's what he does. And so I want to give you five blackboard vision 
initiatives for us to work on, all of us. Everybody say all of us. Now, if it's your first time, not meaning to include you in this, but if you want to be included, we, we pray the Lord to help you to be included. We don't always preach this kind of stuff, but when the Lord leads, we do. And so, because uh, we're, we're a house of vision. There's an there's, in, in understanding we talked about last week that vision comes out of there's a problem and there should be a, a solution. And God gives a solution so that problem can be remedied and it can be better than what it could ever look like on its own. Here's what we know. I'll give you the problems. There's a problem in the body of Christ, again, American church, of people growing in their faith. There's a reason why there's so many people that are just uh, showing up with no no connection, right? It's, so many people have a mundane Christian experience. They, they, they have a, a just um, um, nominal kind of Christianity, a mediocre faith, right? They're, they're, they're just lethargic and complacent in what they're doing, and, there, and there's no real uh, track for them to be on uh, to provide momentum in their Christian faith. And, and I, just, I just think this, that, that for us, we tried so many things. I would say this, that there's so many churches that have tried to help people grow. How many know that? Good things. In fact, you could, you could just do a search right now. Don't do it right now, but sometime if you want. Search, you know, discipleship. You'll get all kinds of different programs and, and books. And, you know, there's probably enough discipleship. I heard one guy say there's enough discipleship books and programs that it could last three lifetimes and not get, get through all them. There's so many. Right? There's a bunch of stuff. In fact, when I think about a, dis, a definition for discipleship or what a disciple is, in this room, I could get 200 different definitions. Some of you got five of them on your own. Well, I think a disciple is this. Well, I think it's this too. And I, I'm kind of confused on what a disciple is. Well, it's pretty simple. If you look at the disciples, we see what they did. It's somebody that hears and somebody that obeys. Pretty simple. And I add this third one. It's somebody that becomes a disciple maker. We hear a lot in the body of Christ about discipleship. And a lot of times it's just about getting more knowledge which that's a part of it, but it's much more than just that. It's leaning in to listen, and when you hear, it's being obedient. And then it's sharing what you know with somebody else and being a – Jesus didn't just create – we call them 12 disciples. It, it, was, it was 12 disciple makers. All of them went on to lead others in relationship. And it was 2017 – just in my, in my frustration with all of the lackluster um, uh, impact of discipleship and the way it works, that I was praying, and the Lord began to, to lead me. And in 2018, I thought, okay, I think I've got clear vision, although it was lacking some stuff that it, it so needed. And, 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 then, uh, and then we, uh, our church went through a program. Many of you went through some discipleship training, which was good, and yet it wasn't the end all of what we needed, and it wasn't necessarily uh, all that we needed to be. And so, and, and, and then I just, I had a meeting with uh, someone uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and they were introducing the idea of mentorship. And I, and I thought, well, that's another part of the, 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 the missing piece that, that we need in this idea. Because what we do at Elevation, and we'll have one here in just a, uh, a little bit, we do steps. Everybody say steps. 
Steps is so important. If you've not been to Steps, you need to go to Steps. If you want to be a part of Elevation Church, go to Steps. We don't make a difference. If you went to Steps or not, we're going to pray for you, love you, and all that stuff. But I just encourage you, Steps is a place where I say everybody at Elevation ought to enter in so you can find out about Elevation Church and you can find out about yourself. And that it gives you a pivot point from a new relationship so that you can start the journey of being a part of the body here and growing in many ways. But, but then what happens after steps? And, and again, many things that we've done and tried over the years. But, but I want to introduce you to three levels. Everybody say three. So, so one, two, three. And we're glad that you did steps or that you're going to do steps in March or you're completing it today. But we just know this, there's, there's, there's three other levels to this. And, and the first level is that of, of, of foundation. Everybody say foundation. Foundation in your faith walk. There's some stuff that you need to know and some stuff that you need to be set free of. It's, it's not just one or the other, but, but all of us. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room needs freedom. One of the things that we talk about in steps is that you're on a spiritual journey, and that second step on your spiritual journey, it's great you got relationship with Jesus, but now you need release of all the baggage and bondage and, and garbage and all the stuff that's been latched onto your life that you've not been able to break free. Because I, I, I've watched over the years what will happen is somebody says yes to Jesus, and then they go on this cycle where, oh, it's so good, so good. Some, by the way, some stuff will happen in your life when you make a decision to follow Jesus. Right? There's a target on your back. Now, how many know that? Like there's a target, and the enemy, the enemy wants to assassinate you and take you out, right? And, and then what happens is it's like a cycle. We end up back in to the thing that calls us to come to Jesus that we're trying to get free of in the per- first place. We don't even realize that's still in our life. And so you got to break free and be released from that. And, and, and so a part of that foundation is let's get free. Everybody say let's get free. Right. And then the second level is four pillars of Elevation Church, and I'm not getting to what all those are, but there's some things that, that are distinctive about us, us and yet have, they share some similarity with the body of Christ that all of us need. And then uh, the, the third level is this. It's Circle City School of Ministry, that we want to help equip you to do ministry. For those that say, you know what, I, I don't want to just be a bump on a log. I don't want to be here just occupying space but I want to be activated. Everybody say activated. Activation is a part. I want to be activated in ministry so that, so that I can be used by the Lord. God didn't just call me to sit on a seat, but he's called me to serve. And so I want to be equipped. And, and Midwest College of Theology has come alongside to partner. So there's an element of that that you can go even deeper in, in some biblical studies. And, but there's also the hands-on, practical side of how do we do ministry? Right in whatever context we're in. I'm, I'm, I'm amped about that. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. And, and, and then the second vision initiative is this. We understand the problem. problem is that in our world there are people that are, are stressed, that are living with lack, that are hurting simply because they don't have. I can't tell you the number of times that people come to our door and just ask for, you know, can you pay our rent? Can you give us food? Can you pay our utilities? Can you do, I mean, just it's a litany of things. And a part of that, you know, the biggest problem is not that they don't have it. Here's the problem. They don't have a community. The reason they're asked us, and we don't know them from Adam, is because they don't have a community of people around them that they can go to. Because as many of you, if you have a problem 
you got a parent or you got a sibling or you got a friend or you got somebody that you can say, I'm dealing with this. you got somebody you're in a group with. We do groups here. You can still get in a group. Some of them are starting this week, but groups are a part of, and I've watched it play out time and time again. Somebody's in a group, and God just, because they're in that group and they're connected to those people, that a need arises, and, and, and the body of Christ is beautiful when it does ministry to needs. But, but there's people that knock on our door. So what we want to do, we, we want to have, and God will give this, a building for a, a food pantry and a thrift store. How I many of that would be a great thing, right? And, and, and that's a bigger, bigger block of vision. But, but the initial step that we're making that direction is, and we've done, by the way, we've given out food. We've done so many things over the years, and this will be something that will be a constant where it's at least monthly. We hope that the, the sequence and rhythm is more than that, but where we'll have a breakfast right out there, probably in the lobby. Nice breakfast. You know, not like, not like just some Long's Donuts. I mean, that's nice if you want a lot of sugar and something that tastes good, but I don't know what it's going to do for you, right? That's a whole other message. But something that's good, and we, and we don't just give out food, but we sit down at a table, and maybe you want to be on this team. On the Connect card, there's a place where you can say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I don't know what part, but I want to be a part of that. Where people sit down with someone, and they pray for them, and they talk to them about their life situation. There's something that's got, gotten them to this point. I mean, know that. And they talk to them, and even to the point, if they want financial advice and counsel, maybe it's some other kind of counseling, that we're able to provide that for them to help them. And then they walk away with, with a box of food that, that is something that helps sustain, right? It's not the end all. But, but they've met someone, they've been able to engage in a dialogue and conversation, and they've been given some, maybe some resources or where they can go get more help, and they've been helped uh, not just not just with the physical food, but relational and spiritual. I'm excited about that, about the idea of a breakfast and a food giveaway that sounds so simple and yet could make an impact to those that are struggling in our community. And some of you, as I say that, you're like, oh, yes, I want to be part of that. The, the other, and again, this isn't necessarily profound, and yet the impact is significant. It, it's just the idea that simply because we're here, we should be making a visible difference in the community. Right? And I can't get to all the things I'd love to talk to you about today or at length. We're, we're doing a thing starting, uh, it'll be every Tuesday morning. It's called The Drop. Everybody say The Drop. Right? And The Drop is just something you can listen to. And some of this stuff we're going to go a little deeper on. And, and maybe sometimes, you know how you hear an announcement, then you're like, I don't know what that was. You, you'll hear that again, a little deeper about it and what it's about and, and spread out a little bit more. But, but you'll, if you've got the app, you'll definitely get The, uh, the Drop but, but here's one of the things, making a visible statement. One of the things that we do every year for the last probably seven, eight years is our sidewalk out here all the way down to wherever it's at down there, we clean it up. We do it once a year on serve day. And I'm telling you, I get as much feedback about that from the community than I do anything. Because there's like, there's like weeds that high. Like, and, I, and I don't know where the city's at, and I'm not trying to think, you know, I'm not, it's, it's not even their thing to do. We'll do it. I mean, we'll do it. Right, and and so I'm glad we do it once a year, but I, I'm just I'm just thinking there needs to be some sidewalk uh, beautification. I don't know if they got that still. There you go. How you like? Yeah. That, that, that when and by, by the way, not just this little patch, but what if we said we're going to own from Emerson to Madison, and we're going to hit it? It probably takes three times a year. 
We're going to hit it so it never looks unsightly. I had a, guy, had a, had a pastor from out of town here who li- used to live here. It was Pastor Josh Palmer. Some of you know him. He said, what's happened? I said, I know. And sometimes when you, when you live in a place, you know how it is in your home. You may have something stacked up that you've been by a thousand times. And then somebody gets ready to come to your house, and all of a sudden you're thinking a little more fresh eyes. Like, I got to get that out of the way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And, and, and I'm just saying that what if we just said, we're going to clean it up. And there's, a, there's enough people here that would say, hey, you know, once every couple of months through the summer, I'll give, you know, four hours on a Saturday to just make it look better. By the way, it looks a whole lot better when it's cleaned up. You know, I'm going to talk to the folks over at the golf course. They'll probably help us out. Pray, pray about that. These, hey, by the way, these things you need to be praying about too. Like I'm, I'm giving these out. You can get involved, but I'm saying, hey, we need to be praying. And another problem is that it's a problem that's an opportunity. Always problems just depending on how you view them are usually opportunities, right? Right. And it depends on. Listen to last week's message if you weren't here. Depends on if you're just a dreamer or if you're a visionary. Right, a dreamer thinks about good ideas but never does anything and acts, but a visionary sees it, has some good plans for it, and then makes themselves a part of making the difference. And, and, and so we've been, they told me in the children's ministry, have been getting more special needs kids that are coming. Isn't that a wonderful opportunity? I was talking to a pastor a week or so ago. He's telling me how they had someone come to their church, and um, the, the child was was running up on the on the the platform on the stage and making all kinds of ruckus. And they tried to help, and finally they had to say, "Hey, w- we're going to ask you to go someplace else to church." And I don't want that to ever be Elevation Church. You hear what I'm saying? Like if God sends us people that are in need, we should be able to help them. And so what that means is that, that we got to create a space and train a team to do better with what the, the, those children that God are sending us. Some of it's how to de-escalate. Some of it's how to care for. Some of it's having additional space so that we can give attention to those children that have special needs. And, and how many know there's a price tag division? I'll talk about that in just a moment. All right. And the, the other one I want to talk about is, is, is um, couples, right, that want to adopt children and care for them. By the way, you may not know this, but the early church, that was one of the notable things about the early church is when children were discarded, the early church stepped in and said, give us those children, we'll take care of them. There's a whole lot of disciples, uh, young uh, uh, boys and girls that followed Jesus simply because when the, when the culture said just discard them, leave them in the marketplace at the end of the day and let them end up in prostitution or, or trafficking, who said, no, we're going to care for those children and we're going to lead them to Jesus and give them a better life than what they could have ever had. And, and, and so there's, there's couples that would love to adopt but can't seem how uh, to make it work financially because many times it's so expensive. By the way, you may know this, maybe not, but there's hundreds of children right now at any given time in the state of Indiana that need parents that will care for them because they have no parent. Not only that, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of life always. I'm talking about life, whether it's your life, right, whether it's a, whether it's a teenager or a child or an adult or an aged person or an unborn, I'm in favor of life. I never will forget uh, John Gregg, who was Speaker of the House here in Indiana for a number of years, and he told me one time, one political party came to him, opposing political party, and said, hey, I think we should do something to protect the unborn. He said, yes, let's do that. 
and they, he, he brought the bill before the House, and they voted on it. And then he said he had his political party came to him and said, hey, I think we should do something to protect children that are children of single moms who have uh, lack of child care and, and resource to do that. And he said, he, he, he said uh, that the, the political party that wanted to protect life said, no, we don't want to be a part of that. And he said to them, I think this is profound. You may want to write this down. He said, he said I'm for the unborn and the born. Come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying? Right? And so, and so there's, there's mothers, expectant mothers, women, young ladies that are pregnant. They didn't plan on it. And we can discuss all that. They didn't plan on it. And by the way, nobody talks about this. Let me talk about it for a moment. And I don't have much time. But let me talk about it anyhow. Let me just, let me just be real honest with you. That there's a problem in our nation when we never speak about men who are careless and callous with women impregnate them and then never care for the child, there needs to be a public outcry, right? As much as there is and has been about unborn children and that we shouldn't abort, there should be just as much of an outcry that these men need to step up and be responsible and own their decision to, to get a woman pregnant. We need real men to stand up and be men and not boys in our nation. And I know that's not popular. The real people that want abortion uh, to be legal is men, not women. I know it's become a women's right thing, but it's about men. Nobody says that either. Let me just say it so you know. Right? They're, they're, we need men to serve God and be godly and understand what it means. We need revival in the men in America. Anybody with me? Women, you, men, we should be praying, God, revive, bring revival to, to the lostness of man, uh, men in our, in our nation. And so one of the ways we're going to encounter this is, and you've got to, some of you got, anybody get coffee this morning and say yes? Yeah, so, so you go in there and get coffee. We want to make that so it's open up all week and it's open from the outside so that we have coffee with a purpose. I've been talking to some of the roasters and kind of the gurus because there's people that's like, they're nerds into coffee. I'm talking to somebody this morning, like, you got a certain kind of, like, you know what the difference between a, a Guatemalan and a Nicaraguan, you know, all that Sumatran, you know, all the, all the differences in the flavor, and you can tell me when, when you know, you're, you're in a cupping, you're like, well, this tastes very chocolatey, and I'm like, tastes bitter like coffee to me. Tastes very earthy. I'm like, eh. I think all coffee tastes that way. It's about like beets, right? Here's the deal. Coffee with a purpose. They say there's nobody doing coffee with a purpose on the south side. And so, so it's the idea that, that, that people come in, they have their meeting, they buy their coffee, they stop by and buy their coffee, and everything over the cost of what it takes to do this is given to adoptive parents and mothers that want to keep their child, and we want to help them so that they're able to do it. And whether, whether, whether it's six months' supply of diapers or whether it's helping in the cost of getting an adoption, we want to be the church that says, we're here, to have, we have vision for you. We don't want to see you have to battle with this. We th we're thankful for your choice, and we want to help you to see that happen. And so then it takes all of us looking at the wall that's in front of us and saying, what can we do? And I really wrestle with, because we could do this, and I'm not saying we won't do it in the future, but we could do a campaign, and I give everybody your little part to do. And, and by the way, I'd rather the Lord give you your little part to do. Right? I mean, I, I can give us the schedule. We need this, this many givers to give at this level, and this many to give this level, and this many to give, you know, this level. And, and we could all sign up and say, I'm going to do this level. And, and praise God. That would, that, again, I'm not against doing that. 
but as I was praying and seeking the Lord about this, I really felt like that this is the avenue for us to do. Because I'll just give you, let's see. These things aren't easy to clean. Let's see. Can I, can I write it right here? Let, let, me, let me just write vision has a price tag. Can you read that? $150,000. let us just get the ball rolling, right? That's, that's not necessarily like all we would need. Here's what, here's what I know. Being the pastor here for almost nearly 17 years, I've never, ever seen us not be able to pay a bill. Never. I, I would say this. Yeah, that's a testimony, right? I, I would say this, that we've always supported missions, and we give a pretty good chunk of change to missions, uh, whether it's global or it's local. We do outreach, and every outreach that we do, there's always the provision to do the outreach. Now, when I think about these things that I've just given you, and I think about, well, we need to expand a little bit. We need to do some things different here. We need to be able to make sure that we can conduct and, and perform the vision. Like, there's, there's some cost to that. And, and a part of this, because 150000 somebody said, wow, you know, like, like I'm checking out. I can't do that, right? None of us can do it on our own, right? I don't, I, I don't, I don't foresee God raising up one person to do this. And by the way, I can just tell you, as a pastor here, I've, I've had them call me with tears to tell me somebody stuck a $100,000 check in an envelope before. So I'm not foreign to that. Somebody gave a $50,000 gift today. I've watched that happen over the years. It's not every Sunday. We'd take it every Sunday, right? We'd receive it. I'm not saying. Don't hold back. Sometimes I tell the story in steps about the $4,000 furnace that went out in the children's ministry in January. I don't know why they don't go out in July. We'd wait a couple months. And it's, it was back with the kids. If it was us, I'd say, hey, everybody wear your coat next Sunday. Because in the early days of being here, we didn't have $4,000 to pay for that. But you could not fix it. So I said, fix it. There's a guy named Don, somewhat least likely at some level that he would come to me and say, here, here's a $4,000 check. Go take care of that furnace for those kids. Right? Isn't that, isn't that cool? Right. I'm just saying, over and over again, I've watched God do and provide where it looked like, right, because where God guides, he provides. And, and so here we are in this place of saying 150. So how, how are we going to do that? Well, here's what the Lord's strategy God gave me is on Easter Sunday. Everybody say Easter Sunday. Right, there's really resurrection. What we're celebrating is resurrection. That pagan Easter thing is what everybody knows it as, but, but we all know that, right? It's resurrection Sunday. And so what I want us to do is give a resurrection seed offering. Now, I don't have any idea what that would be. Now, I know this. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And I'm not, if you're here as a guest, I don't ask you to do anything. In fact, I'm not going to know who gives what. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And you may say, I don't know any way that I could give anything toward it, and that's okay. I'm just going to ask you to just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you want me to give? I think sometimes when I approach times like this, I think about what would my best offering be. Well, one of my best offerings would be if I, instead of giving like the 10 or 20% that I give regularly, that, that I would just give the 100% that week. Some of you, that may be what God leads you to do. You say, oh, my. I'm just saying pray about what's God going to speak for you to give. Kim and I, I don't share a lot of this, but last year we just doubled, over and doubled what we gave because we knew the church was going to need it in 2023. We don't do that every year. It's not been, not been our, but we just knew that, okay, God, we need to give more than what we've been given. Some of you do the same thing. And you don't know all the reasons, but you just do it. And what I'm asking you to do is pray about 
What do I need to, and by the way, on Easter Sunday, I'm not going to say anything about this. We're just going to take the normal offering. Because the people, you know, we had our largest single day last year on Easter than we've ever had in the church. Almost 700 people gathering in our, in our multiple services. And, and I'm not going to get up and say, okay, everybody needs to give so we can do this stuff. It's for us. The miracle's in the house. How many know that? Right? I don't have any worries. And I don't know if that offering will be 25000 or 50000 or 100000 or 150000 And I'm not limited in any measure by what that's going to be. We're just going to do it. Somebody shout, we're going to do it. Right? I'm going to build the wall that's in front of me. And what is it? What is it that God, and by the way, I pray, this is a regular prayer, I pray God bless, bring wealth. By the way, that's, a, that's an okay prayer to pray to this congregation. Go read Deuteronomy 8.18. Right? You'll find out he is the one that gives the power to get wealth to establish his covenant. And, 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 ju- and just so you can catch this, uh, that for, for all of us, I'm praying that you have abundance, more than enough. I'm praying for blessing over your life, for increase, for favor. I know it's coming tax season. I'm praying, God, I don't know how you work at all, but make the government give back a bunch of money to our people. I mean, we're giving money out like crazy. Like, go ahead and give a bit of God's people. I pray just like that sometimes, I'm telling you. You don't need to listen to my prayers. You say they sound like crazy prayers. I just know that I'm believing for God to give us more than enough to accomplish the vision that he has for us. And that means this, don't stress it, just pray about it. Don't think you gotta take a card out today and figure out how much you gotta give, no. It's not about that, it's about praying and saying, Lord, what do you want me to give? I believe that if you're sincere with him and ask him, he'll get, and it's, and, right, and it's not your normal giving, it's like, God, what do you want me to give over and above? What would, what would be an, uh, a seed that I could sow into the vision, by the way, and when you do that, it's going to bring something into your life that's greater than what you had. I'm believing that. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Elevation Indie Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified as soon as the message becomes available each week. And hey, while you're here, go ahead and share this with somebody that needs to hear the message. Thanks, and see you next week.